From the Medical Republic, I'm Wendy John. This is The Tea Room. It's been a big week for dramatic exits. The AMA, the RACGP and ACRAM have all resigned from the steering committee for the North Queensland Pharmacy Scope of Practice trial. Now, the trial will have pharmacists able to prescribe and dispense medicines for 23 medical conditions, including type 2 diabetes and COPD. The AMA, RACGP and ACRAM each had a rep on the steering committee for the trial. Positions that were, well, let's just say they weren't terribly well publicised to the members of those organisations. That is, until a media leak revealed all and those three organisations declared more or less that they couldn't remain on the steering committee any longer because the idea of the trial was fundamentally unacceptable. This episode of The Tea Room, we're talking about lobbying power, governance and the scope of pharmacists. Our guest is Dr. Umer Masood, GP and Vice President of the Australian Society for General Practice. Welcome, Dr. Masood. What can you tell us? Why do you believe this pharmacy trial is bad for patients? Look, there are two things that we worry about uh, from the perspective of general practice. The first one is we think this is a very bad idea from a clinical perspective. Uh, We don't think pharmacists are qualified to diagnose illnesses and prescribe medications for it. They are very good at what they do, and that is organizing and dispensing medications, and they do a fantastic job of that. They should stick to what they're doing well. They should not be enroaching into clinical areas where they do not have the adequate training for. The other big thing that we're concerned about also is the conflict of interest that they have with regards to prescribing the medication and also dispensing it. It has been long uh, a thought process within most pharmacists that this should be something that the pharmacist always wanted to do with regards to dispensing medication so that the doctor doesn't prescribe it and dispense it at the same time. And I think that that's a very valid concern. And I think to maintain that uh, lack of con- uh, you know, conflict of interest, we should be saying that the people who prescribe the medication should not also be dispensing and profiting from it. Isn't there some grey area here, though? If we look at rural and remote health and people in rural areas have 1.4 times the disease burden of people in metro areas and yet significantly less number of doctors to assist them. I think the first thing to understand is that the lack of doctors is another uh, major issue with regards to underfunding in general practice over many years. Um, the government hasn't really come up with uh, a significant thought process to try and um, you know, address that issue. So this is really a band-aid solution with regards to saying, look, the pharmacist can pick up the slack. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a UTI is a simple UTI. And yes, you could diagnose that. What happens if somebody misses a bladder cancer that has similar symptoms, for instance? How will the pharmacist be accountable? Uh, do the patients have any recourse with regards to what happens after that? I think clinically, you know, the vast majority of times you could say, look, it could be okay. What happens when problems occur in a diagnostic scenario? Uh, And I think that's the key thing. I mean, doctors being not present in rural areas is a major problem. We understand that very clearly. I think the thing to do would be to actually fund general practice well, attract uh, young doctors into the speciality and and make those places available, uh, you know, so that people can actually go down to the rural areas to work. So how much did uh, lobbying by the Pharmacy Guild have to do with this trial? Look, love it or hate it, the Pharmacy Guild do a very good job. They do a very good job for their members. I think they uh, have their members' interests at heart. 
and they do lobby very hard to make sure that they get the right benefits uh, from government and uh, policy writers. Uh, they do make donations to political parties. And um, look, love it or hate it again, this is the system we're in, and they are playing the system very well. I don't think that we as GPs or doctors play it as well as the pharmacy guild do. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the old addendum, you know, you've got to be in it to win it uh, is really the issue here. I think the pharmacy guild are very, very good at promoting their needs and getting a good outcome. And I think in general practice, we're very weak at that. So why is that? What's the difference? I, I think the thing is that the bodies that are actually existent at the moment, for instance, uh, the colleges, uh, the AMA, they haven't really been lobbying government re- with regards to change in general practice. The, both the colleges, the Royal College of General Practitioners and the College of Rural and Remote Medicine are very good at what they do, and that is training, uh, setting standards, uh, you know, policies with regards to general practice, but they don't really have a mandate with regards to lobbying government. I don't think that's written into their constitution and they don't really pay enough attention to it in that respect. So why haven't GP organisations taken a stronger lobbying role in the past? Well, look, I mean, this is one of the reasons why the Australian Society of General Practice came along. Uh, We don't feel like the existing bodies were taking the lobbying aspect of uh, policy very seriously. But why weren't they? Look, I don't know. It's not a. It's not really a, uh, for a want of uh, people asking. I think a lot of GPs have been asking the colleges about standing up uh, for general practice. Can we lobby? Can we do more than what we're doing apart from just training GPs? Uh, I, I think um, the colleges have a seat at the table with the government. I, I don't think they have the mandate to lobby because their constitutions don't really allow it uh, as such. I also think that both the colleges also tend to get funding from the government as well. So I think that will come with certain conditions uh, moving forward. Whereas I think an independent organization is what's required to actually lobby government for change so that their purse strings are not sort of pulled by someone else. And that's what the ASGP aims to do? Yeah, look, I mean, we're independent. We do not have anyone overseeing uh, us in that sense. There is a board. We have good governance. Uh, Our primary aim is to lobby government for change in general practice. That is the most important thing that we want to try and achieve. Uh, And we do feel that the climate is ripe for that at the moment. And we don't feel like anyone else is doing this uh, for general practice at the moment. Hence the formation of the society, essentially. So my understanding is that the AMA, the RACGP and ACRAM each had a member on the steering committee of the Far North Queensland Pharmacy Trial. Now, the members of those organisations didn't know that that was happening. Raises, I guess, the question of transparency. Are there issues of governance with the AMA and these other organisations? Yeah, look, there is. I, I think it should be, this, this is the kind of stuff that should be discussed Uh, when it's happening. I think members need to be consulted. I'm not suggesting that it needs to be published in the media, but I think members should be consulted saying, look, there is a trial like this about to come up. What do you guys think about this? You know, and it gives the, you know, for instance, if the majority of the members stand up and say, hang on, this is not right. We don't think this is appropriate. Then the relevant body should go along to the steering committees and voice that concern very loudly. Uh, You know, the fact that most of us didn't even know uh, these things were happening until the very end shows you how powerful uh, what the Pharmacy Guild have done is. They've got these colleges to come along and sit 
there to listen to what they have to say and they've pushed it through regardless. Is it the power of the Pharmacy Guild or is it perhaps a a conflict between executive membership positions in these organisations versus representing the members? I'm sure there's an element of both, you know, and uh, I think there are some people within some of these organisations that are looking out for their own careers with, uh, you know, moving into government positions or other positions such as that. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, the Pharmacy Guild has actually done what they want to do with good mandate. Um, you know, the system at the moment, we we live in a democracy that allows us to lobby government. And by lobbying government, they've donated to political parties. They, they have uh, pushed money through uh, to the government in various forms. And, and therefore, you know, the government ministers and policy writers are going to listen to what's being said. Unfortunately, from a medical perspective, none of us are doing anything like that. So we do head to the table, but we don't really bring anything to the table apart from our clinical expertise. So I've noticed that the ASGP are seeking professional lobbyists. Yes, we are. And uh, look, we we uh, do realise that lobbying is not uh, something that can be easily done by individuals who have no idea what they're doing. Uh, and as GPs, we're good at what we do. We're not professional lobbyists. We have been talking to professional lobby groups. We have already got one uh, group in mind uh, whom we are chatting with at the next board meeting. And once we finalize everything, they will act on our behalf. So we will be uh, paying them a sum of money per month to act on behalf of ASGP to lobby government. And that will be their primary purpose. We are very, very keen to get this done before the federal election start. And we want to get that moving so we can get our ideas uh, out there to government. How's the bid for union accreditation going as well? We're still in the process of getting that uh, sorted out. Uh, at this stage, uh, we are speaking to Fair Work. We have actually submitted our application. There is a process, unfortunately, that has to go through, and we're going through that process at the moment. It can take a while to get this sorted out. Uh, you know, and just to point out, in the 80s when ASMOF the Australian Salaried Medical Officers Federation was being formed, it took them six years to get registered. So I don't think this is going to be a short journey. We've only just started the process. We're going to hammer it out and see what we can do best. It is not a it is not a showstopper for us if we don't get union registration. We want to do that to try and see if we can get a louder voice. If we do not get union registration, we will still continue to do what we call our primary objective, which is lobbying. What are the barriers to union membership? apart from the time it takes to get accredited? <laughs> Look, at the moment, uh, we've had some objection uh, with regards to our application and the ob objection's been raised by the Australian Salaried Medical Officers Federation. Uh, so again, this is part of the process. So other union organisations can stand up and say, hey, uh, we don't think that you guys should be doing this because we're doing this. Um, but so they're, not, they're not actually doing it though, are they? They're only representing salaried GPs. 100%, 100%. Look, I, I think we all know that. If you look at their website, they clearly state they represent salaried medical officers in public hospitals. Now, that excludes 99% of GPs. Um, so we, we, we know that they don't represent GPs. Um, and we're not really sure what the political push behind the objection is. I don't really know of a single GP that actually belongs to ASMOF either. I suppose if you did work in a public hospital as a GP, you would be eligible to apply. But very few GPs are in that category. ASMOF are hand in glove with AMA, correct? 
Look, I mean, the process is that essentially if you're an AMA member and you work at a public hospital, part of your membership fees are donated or given to the uh, Australian Salaried Medical Officers Federation. Um, so you could argue that they do have some good correlation between the two. I could also say the Victorian chair of AMA is also the Victorian chair of ASMOF as well. So I think there are potential conflicts in that space as well. Is it a stretch to say the AMA are blocking your accreditation bid for union membership? <laughs> Look, I don't want to put uh, words in the mouth of the AMA, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to leave people to make their own minds up about that. Uh, but it certainly does seem like there are other people at play, not just ASMOF with regards to the objection, yes. What would union accreditation mean for non-salaried GPs? Union accreditation, you know, from our legal advice that we've gotten is that we can include contractors and employers within the organisation. We do need to make sure that we fall under one category, which is either uh, an association of employees or an association of employers. So that is also a discussion that we're having with Fair Work at the moment to see how we can make that happen. Has ASMOP come back with a counter offer of saying, let's join together and make it happen as collaboratively? No, no not at all. No, look, they haven't really come along and uh, had a friendly conversation. Uh, at the moment, the chatter is through the lawyers uh, and the Fair Work Commission. Have you reached out to them for a friendly conversation? Uh, Look, we have. We have tried to make some uh, inroads with uh, quite a few different organisations. Some organisations have been very, very friendly in getting back in touch. Uh, There have been others that have not really responded at all. And the AMA would be one of those? Look, so far they haven't really responded to us, no. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thank you, Wendy. That was Dr. Amir Masood, Vice President of the Australian Society of General Practice. You've been listening to The Tea Room. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can search for us on your favourite podcast player and subscribe. Leave us a review if you like. And if you've got any hot news tips, you can email me at wendy at medicalrepublic.com.au. Now, to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice, head to our digital news site, medicalrepublic.com.au. And while you're there... Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you informed. Thanks for tuning in.